Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. Lawrence. From Riverwalk Studio, this is the Cubic Shenanigans Warhammer Podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Cube, the Cube, the Cube, the Cube, the Cube. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 86 of the Cubic Shenanigans Warhammer podcast. I'm your host, Dan. And I'm Brendan. And we are coming to you this episode from the alternate command bunker in Brown Deer, Wisconsin. We had a little bit of a, like you haven't we, heard this We had before. a lost episode. <laughs> yeah, another, Again. Another lost episode. So we're recording. It was really from, good, I promise. <laughs> from Brendan's digs. And uh, Brendan, we're going to be talking about some really cool stuff. Yeah, we're going to be talking about the PantsCon 2 event that we went to this last weekend. You know, the fun that we had, the things that happened, the lessons that were learned. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Pretty simple, pretty straightforward. Uh, You know, it's not the worst thing in the world that it got delayed to when it was, because some of the things in the first episode that were unknowns became actual real-life announcements, and so now we can talk about them. In a normal way, instead of an entirely speculative one. Okay, that's perfect. So no Sunday announcements this episode, because they've already come out. Given that it's Tuesday, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So we're going to dive right into Whispers from the Warp. Hello, my name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Brendan, it's hobby time. It is. As of late, really in most of November, I didn't really do much of anything but i did win some slanesh stuff cool the hidden knights of slanesh stuff the mortal stuff at dragonfall and havoc much like some of the painting projects that i have undertaken here in 2021 where i have kind of explicit goals in mind with what i want to get out of them mm-hmm. the hidden knight stuff i'm not looking to do like a huge collection of the mortals right it's stuff that i won like it's cool i'm gonna do some cool painting stuff mm-hmm. i'm probably gonna get the age of sigmar battle box that is the hedon knights just so that i have kind of a good mix of things but what i'd like to get out of this project in particular is at least developing some good recipes to do flesh tones nice okay and even if i ultimately end up feeling good about one flesh tone color out of it then I'll consider that pretty successful given the degree of difficulty that good skin tones. This is skin tone other than dead people skin tone (laughs) for you. (laughs) Yeah, different color than bleach bone, yes. (laughs) Working on that and then painting in a brighter color scheme because our friend Nick did the commission paint of my Slanesh Demons. Yeah. And he is known for painting very, very bright. Oh, God. His goblins. Ostentatious colors. Yeah. So most of my painting is kind of in a darker hue. Mm. You know, even when I do pick brighter colors, it all ends up kind of being more muted and dark. Mm. So going bright is going to be a bit of a challenge for me. So I got started on that. I started painting a slick blade seek and so far so good. Okay. You know, we'll go from there. And then just kind of building, putting together some of the rest of my Slaves of Darkness stuff, building some the rest of the Soul Blight stuff that I have going on. Yeah. You had to paint something to get ready for PantsCon. That yeah, was that was kind of weird. I uh, had a couple of things that I had to decide whether to at least glue them together or paint them and then glue them together. Mm-hmm. And so Radicar was pretty easy because he basically comes in two pieces. So I could just glue him and then later on I can yeah, pull Yeah, you him have apart. him and the tree. Yeah, so that's it. But the corpse cart 
presented a much different challenge in terms of reassembling and painting and stuff, taking it apart. Because it's really pretty complex. There's a lot of little parts and pieces. It was... I think kind of mandatory for me to get the thing painted before I assembled it. So I needed to get that done and it came out pretty good. Yeah, it was very gross looking. (laughs) Yeah, so that was mission accomplished. And I got all 60 of my wolves. Yes, I did say 60 wolves. So many wolves. Not painted, but built and primed. This is a good time to, Alex, address your question that you and the guys had talked about on your Pants Mafia YouTube review of the lists for PantsCon 2. You had asked the question, what kind of a negotiating did I have to do to get six boxes of wolves? <laughs> well, you know, full disclosure here, I was, and I think a lot of people already know, I was an on-call for GW for quite a while. Part of the benefit of being any GW employee is you get that unbelievable 50% discount on your purchases. So I essentially bought my entire Vamper army at that discount, you know, two for one kind of thing. So really, I only had to buy, in terms of dollars, three boxes of wolves to get that. And so there wasn't really a lot of negotiating involved. It wasn't too bad a sell. It, uh, it's just volumetrically yeah. a lot of wolf. <laughs> yeah, it just looks like a lot. and Because it, it, it is. Yeah. It, it, it's not, it looks, it, it occupies a lot of space. <laughs> Especially that 30 brick, but we'll talk about oh, that. Goodness. I had everything done that I needed to get done for... Pants con because there was no paint requirement, thank goodness, or I would have ended up taking my night haunt or something. So, yeah, we're borrowing um, something. Borrowing some things, sure. I also actually, as part of my Infinity Code 1 kind of side interest, I got some MDF buildings from a company down in Australia called Brutal Cities, a guy named Ryan, who is by trade an architect. And he is a big fan of the Brutal architecture style and so the name of his company but the buildings are really cool looking and brendan you saw one that was assembled yeah looked really good pretty sharp on the drive we were talking about this piece of mdf that you had bought and you had talked about you know that they recommended that you prime it first and you were very concerned about the loss of detail and as you were describing it to me in the car i was like Dan, it was probably fine. Like in my head, I'm just like, you were probably concerned about, you know, something a little extreme here. And then when I came over and I saw it, I went, oh yeah, I can see why he was, he was concerned about that. And wow, I'm pretty surprised that there wasn't a loss of fidelity in the detail. It was amazing because MDF does soak up a lot of paint. That's why they recommend the priming. And I just don't understand the science. It's magic, (laughs) but I don't care because it turned out nicely. And our friend Heath is offered to do some airbrushing on it to add some detail and stuff. I think they'll come out really nice and very playable in terms of infinity kind of things that you need mechanics and stuff. Thank you again, Ryan, down there in Australia. Great stuff. And he got it to me in a couple of weeks. I was just shocked given everything that's going on. It got here in no time. So that was really fast neat. boat. Really nice. Or fast plane or however yeah. it got here. So that was really cool. And that's been my hobby. Now, the other thing since we talked last was I did receive my dragons mm-hmm. from uh, Mini Stomp. So I got two boxes of the little guys and then I got a box of the big guy. I'm kind of thinking we'll see that although I'm not going to paint the little guys anytime soon I think I might consider building and painting the big guy just as a hobby project not even using him or anything just because it's a really awesome model really really cool the ooh big new shiny but we'll see mm-hmm. and I want to try not to get distracted from getting my soul light done now Try. we'll talk about that list later but that's it for me for hobby we've both been pretty busy actually with new things which is kind of cool we got some cold weather. Oh, the cold weather is here. 
football's you know almost off the tv sorry the football i care about is almost yeah. off the tv yeah i guess it's just gonna be basketball and painting time yeah it is basketball season that's for mm-hmm. sure all right let's move on to new stuff we just talked about dragons have arrived dragons 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 they are here yeah. so they're not out of stock they're here just uh, limited quantities um in a lot of places when you try to get them but that's fine that's all good one thing though with dragons that we need to talk about you and i is the whole points thing i think everybody kind of knew that the points were going to increase at some point it's just the way that it was presented yeah presented and done just really kind of hinky because you look at the dragons and you think about all those war scrolls in that stormcast book and here they are using the rationale that well we since we had a little bit of time because of supply chain and all this we thought we'd kind of play test them a little bit more to get a little more accurate points. And I'm like, wait a minute. You're telling me that you didn't get enough play testing for one of the premier new units that you put in that book. Sure. That's just, that's crap because it's just not true. I think, and I know you had some concerns, the issue ongoing is it seemed like there was a lot of pressure from the YouTubes and from the Twitters and all those things to get this increase. You know, like, we got to increase the blah, blah, blah. It was just this huge cacophony well, cause it was obvi- coming it. it was obvious to just about anybody with a competitive lean. Yes. As they opened that book up, they went, oh, no, <laughs> this is really good. We got to fix this now. I don't know that we were all advocating for we need to fix this, but we were oh, the, the the look at it was, this is busted. Well, and a lot of people were very verbal that these need to increase in points and stuff. And it's just, it seemed more of a, I don't want to use the word mob in that way, but it just seemed like a peer pressure kind of a thing mm-hmm. where, okay, we're going to make this increase. I just hope that that's not a Yeah, that, a that precedent. precedent is hopefully not being set here, but... It's a little dangerous. The more time that I've spent with this concern, right? You know, we were originally talking about this a couple days ago. It came to me that the Iron Hands thing was where Games Workshop was effectively bullied into rules changes in kind of an immediate sense. I'm really hoping that the evidence isn't going to be, oh, well, if we don't like something, we can just annoy this company into changing what we want. Right. Yeah. Agreed. I don't think that absolves them. They could have just said the quiet part out loud, right? Mm -hmm. Like, this is a new model. Mm -hmm. This is something that they wanted to move a lot of units of. Mm -hmm. So they pointed them aggressively. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, fine. You could have pointed them aggressively and put them in a place where people went, okay, like, this is quite good. These are things I want to include. You know, but not put them in a place where everyone just went, oh, well, I'm going to field 10 of them and watch my opponent go, oh, no. Right. right. That is true. Mm. So that's our thoughts on dragons. Uh, but moving on, we have battle boxes. We got, you said, five and 40K and four for Sigmar. Yep. And they're a very good deal in terms of dollars if you want to start because overall it's between 30 and 35%. That's a really good discount for a GW model set. Well, and if you usually add on the local discounts or your mini stomp discounts for the Mm -hmm. u.s listeners like it's another good chunk on top of that so for age of sigmar we have osiarch bone reapers yes yep it's one of them the soul blight grave lords and that one's a really good box dan you were saying that you weren't going to get it because you felt you had everything you needed already this one has just about a little bit of everything it's got a vangorian lord it's got blood knights it's got zombies it's got skeletons like this was just Such, such a good box if you're looking to get into Soul Blights. Great. You know, it's got the box that I'm looking forward to, the Mortals Hedonites box. Yes. Where 
that one's just got a good mix of a little bit of everything, right? My orientation is towards the painting project side of things. And then the last one, the fourth one is the Lumineth box. And that one's just got a lot of the wind chargers and it's got some sentinels and stuff. And that's our, sorry, wardens, not sentinels, combat guys, Warden. not shooting guys. Pokies, yeah. Right. All really good value. The one that kind of jumped off the page at me as to how much stuff you got was the Bone Reaper box. Okay. You know, all of it's listed at the same kind of price value. Mm-hmm. It's like that 215 number, if I'm yeah. remembering yeah, right. Yeah, that's the number, yep. The catapult is like 110 on its own. You get two heroes, a, a unit of 20, you get a harvester, you get three stalkers, and the catapult. And the catapult is already half of the value retail, so that looked pretty good. Yeah. Good stuff, man. The 40k side, right? You've got your classic space marines yeah. and other, other kinds stuffs. of space marines and the evil space marines. <laughs> okay, so... You've got dead space marines. Oh, sorry. Every flavor. Uh, every flavor. Every flavor of space marine. You've got skinny space marines. <laughs> Moving on, we got... The other thing we have is a dungeon bowl, and we talked about that last mm-hmm. episode. Released. It's actually out now, so you can buy it if you want. We had a couple of announcements, which is great since the last episode. We have been waiting for the first one is the 40K one with custodies and Gene Stealer cults. Mm-hmm. There's that battle box for that. With the two new heroes. Yep. Two new heroes. Codices to follow soon. They're going to have all kinds of stuff. The Gene Stealers have some really gnarly new reel called like Crossfire. Yeah, you're telling me about this in the car. Oh, oh woof man it's like plus one to hit plus one to wound this and that it's this cumulative buff so without getting into the weeds on it as you were describing it to me i really like this mechanic where one unit shoots at it the second unit gets a benefit mm-hmm. if a third unit shoots at it they get the first unit benefit and the second unit yes. benefit you're incentivized to kind of do this narrative focus fire mm-hmm I like that you have to invest so much into it to get to the really good stuff. Mm -hmm. To get it to be in a place where you were telling me, I just went, wow, that sounds really good. Yeah, in 40K it is. Those are all really good things. Yeah, I like that space that they explored with that rule. I like when they try and do creative things Mm -hmm. with specific army-based rules. Sometimes they don't land. That's okay. I'd much rather it be... A risk explored mm-hmm. because you're more likely to get good stuff out of it at some point. Yes. You know, it sucks for that army when it's bad, but yeah. it's the cost of all of the rest of it, right? It is it is a design exploration. Yes. Real quickly, the Custodes, of course, not to be less out, gets some kind of a, and it's quite complex, so we are not even going near it, but it's just a fighting style kind of a sub-faction thing where you get mm. benefits. If you pick one fighting style, you pick another one, and it affects every turn. You get a different choice of different things you so can do. So with it's them. kind of like the Space Marine tactics, but Custodian, probably a little bit more player-based decision as, seems, as opposed to it involuntary. Seems relatively narrative because they are the masters of martial art. You know, they are the guys who can fight and kill anything, including if they wanted to a Primark. So it seems really, really cool. We also got our announcement that we have been waiting for. Nurgle will be pre-ordered this Saturday, yep. which is great. Very exciting. Yes. And we Very got nice. a rules preview today. Oh, okay. This is something that they talked about a little bit in the preview show was the disease counters mechanic. Mm. And the way they explained it is there is a disease counter accumulation that occurs Mm -hmm. in the movement phase and the combat phase. You can 
put up to seven counters on a unit, and there's a couple of different ways that it happens. <laughs> wow. At the end of the Battleshock phase, you roll a dice for every disease counter capped at seven that you have on a unit. For every four up, it's a mortal wound. Wow. This Ooh. is all in a vacuum at this point in time. Sure. But when you think about what that means is over the course of both player turns, mm-hmm. there's going to be this cumulative chip damage that occurs. You know, just a couple mortal wounds at a time that slowly brings your opponent down that you can start to isolate enemy heroes with some of those dice rolls Mm -hmm. and all it takes is a good fistful rolling a couple of fours and that buff character is poof is no more yeah on top of whatever other damage it is that you're going to do to them awesome there have been some you know rumor war scrolls that have been floating around oh sure most of them are not in english to this point i don't know what they say within 48 hours of listening to this episode you'll have it it'll start coming out of yeah, course it's very exciting yeah very so very cool. there's definitely some good stuff you know looking there and definitely looking forward to more of the rules previews over the course of this week okay i think that's it for new stuff right or announcements i as far as i yeah, know yeah i think so then let's move on to games played and this is other you know first non-sigmar games yeah i have discovered the beauty of gladius which is a kind of a civ game without the diplomacy or the trade so it's just build explore crush kind of a thing but the wonderful thing about this game brendan is if you have any interest at all in 40k or know anything about it you're going to see so much of what you already know in this game you're going to see katachin devils these big giant centipede things you see chaos cultists you see stuff you weren't expecting i had a space marine squad that went out kind of exploring and all of a sudden there was a castle and robot there and i'm like what a castle and robot against a squad of marines he's gonna tear them up you know Mm. and i didn't know what to do at first because i was just starting to learn the game so we took it down to about half damage and all of a sudden this other little dude walks up is a data smith fully heals the thing i'm like i'm out of here (laughs) (laughs) and just all kinds of other things that It just feels so thematic, and the scale is pretty much unit-based. So if you think of a unit of Termagants for the Nids, that's going to be about 10 models, right? 10 or 12, whatever it is. That's what you see on the board. Terminators, you see five of them. You see five Space Marines, or you see, you know, a unit of three bikes or whatever. So it's very much matches up to what you would see in the game as well in terms of unit size but it's individual you get again to do a lot of exploring there's a lot of building of your base or bases depending on your faction it has the base game which i would recommend you play at the introductory level for you know four or five times just to get the feel for things is i think like 14 or 15 dollars or something you get like four factions you get space marines i think you get chaos you get astro militarum and you get orcs i think that's so a nice mix of guys it's a game i think that people would enjoy just playing for you know half an hour sometime just to get it going the biggest challenge though as you're playing is sieging so when you find an enemy city you have to have the right tools one of the things i've found for space marines is dreadnoughts Mm. they just walk up and just pound on these cities and it's so cool to watch now they get shot back at, but um, anyway, I am really enjoying Gladius, and I would recommend people take a look at it, see what they think. I'm having a great time with it. Oh, good. How about you other than than Sigmar? I've got a Total War II campaign that we finished up, those orcs. You were playing orcs, right? Yeah, well, we were, we were both playing orcs. I was playing as Wurzag, and he was playing as Skarsnik, and... We just finished painting the map, the color green. <laughs> of course. Right, so... <laughs> 
That's joy. It was good. It was a fun time. It was probably the most fun Total War campaign that we had played to that point. Mm. So it gets to a point where it just becomes this really tedious endeavor of, okay, I'm so powerful that, you know, nothing can get in my way and we're just going to eat these factions one at a time. You're playing in God mode almost. Yeah, a little bit. So we've got that wrapped up. We've been working on our spreadsheet for an evil playthrough of Wasteland 3. And uh, both DLCs have come out since we finished our first playthrough of it. You know, we're not going to go out there and spoil, you know, if there's any companions or anything that are going to be in those. We'll burn those bridges when we get there. But basically, we needed the spreadsheet to kind of like pre-build, quote unquote, Mm. the evil companions so that once we come across the evil companions, we can just replace their stand-in with we're going to know like what they're supposed to be good at and we'll just build the team around those mechanics and cool. some of them are in kind of like weird mid game areas so okay. i think we're going to try and like really rush to go get them early even if it means playing in over leveled situations okay and yeah so I think we're going to get started on that probably this weekend and go from there. So I'm definitely looking forward to the new playthroughs or the uh, DLCs, the Steel Town, and then there's like the Cult of the Holy Detonation or something like that. So <laughs> Cool. Yeah. All right. Great looking stuff. forward to it. Now, you had played a Sigmar game, right? I did. Yep. I played on the Dias Cast. It's a YouTube channel, Battle Reports. I played my Dragonfall Archeon Corn Slaves to Darkness mm-hmm. list. With one small modification where I took out the Eightfold Doom Sigil because it didn't do anything at Dragonfall and I'd much rather have the um, reroll Charge Triumph. Okay. So I played against a big wall list which had Mega Boss on Maw Crusher, a General on Vulture, just a little bit of everything, two units of three pigs, a Wargog Prophet, Gut Rippers, just a little bit of everything. Okay, cool. That was a good game. Go check them out. You know, go take a look. They do a battle report format where they end up showing you the whole game but they speed through the stuff that's really kind of ancillary not important they put audio over the you know of the players talking over the top of that so yeah the episodes can be an hour plus but you're never involved in disengaged activity yeah and one of the things that i love about their show and this is a real pet peeve for me with battle reports on youtube is that you have to show me what the progress is in terms of score Mm-hmm. I have to know at the end of turn one where people are. I need to know at the end of round two, where is everybody? Is one guy got 20 and the other guy got 10? Or And a lot of battle reports, there's none of that until the end. And all you really find out at the end is who won. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, was it close? Or I just find that helpful and instructive as they're talking through the game because it gives you more of an idea of the ebb and flow of what's happening. That's another reason I really enjoy their channel. So yeah, give them a try and see what you guys think. Yeah. All right. It's games played, events. We're going to talk about PantsCon here in Emperor Lies. And we've actually got some Adepticon news to talk about for signups, which is awesome. We do. We have two dates that are important. We have December 28th is when the catalog, as it were, of events is coming out, which is always important for folks. And then about two weeks after that, January 11th at 7 p.m. Central Time. We are going to be able to sign up for stuff, Mm -hmm. depending on how quick we are (laughs) and where we get in the queue. So use those two weeks wisely, as always. I think that's like a Tuesday night, too. Yeah, it is. Nice and weird. Tuesday night at 7 Central, January 11th. So put those on the calendar if you haven't already. And then there was clarification at least at this point, what the requirements are, Brendan, Mm -hmm. is that you have two options. Either you have proof of vaccine 
or you can have a COVID test where 72 hours prior to the event, you show that you are negative for COVID. So there we go. You know, that's what it is. That's what it's going to be. You know, you have a couple of options and, and we'll just go from there. And hopefully that'll stay stable because we know how these things kind of flux. And so people can plan accordingly, which mm-hmm. would be really great. Holy Wars is coming up. Yep. I know you're not going to participate in that, but it's sponsored by the same people who did Holy Havoc. Havoc. Yep. Yep. They're no longer doing singles events. This is uh, doubles. So it's doubles where it's a thousand points and then you add another 500 points worth of troops on top of it. So you're actually playing 1500 per player. So sides of 3000. Well, that sounds familiar, Mr. Bruce City. Yeah. (laughs) That was good to hear. That was nice to see that it was confirmed that way. Okay. And because this was, I don't want to say it was one of, it was a complaint, but it was definitely a criticism where the tables have always been very killy. But this year in particular, it felt like there were a lot of table wins. Yeah. And having those extra model, those extra 500 points of, because it has to be just troops. It has to be 500 points of the troop battlefield role okay is really gonna help out some folks yeah there was a lot of talk at panscon about that a lot of just people was conversating about how bad it was so it's just crazy just vicious okay and then at midwinter gaming convention here in milwaukee is the middle of january still and i started looking to see if i wanted to do that and there's just so many things there's just like hundreds of things brendan i probably know like 20 percent of them so i'm gonna try to go again and you know into the catalog and see what i'm interested in and what's available and i think i'm gonna participate i just don't know if i'm gonna do all four days because it's right here and it's five minutes from my house yeah i mean so, you can walk there uh, i don't know about, that you'd want to not this time of year yeah but it's easy or Cindy could give me a quick drop or something and so we'll see how that works and we'll certainly do a short report out anyway Mm-hmm. I think that's it then for Whispers. I think so too. I think too. we got everything. So let's move on to Emperor Lies and talk about PantsCon 2. Man, what are we, a team? No, no, no. We're a chemical mixture that makes chaos. We're, we're a time bomb. So we're back with Emperor Lies, and we are going to be talking about PantsCon 2. And Brendan, why don't you give us kind of a little short background on the event and how it all works? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. We originally had the first PantsCon last year in 2020 because we wanted to get games in. We wanted to see some of our friends, but obviously there wasn't going to be events to go to. There was pre-vaccine. So there was a group of folks who, number one, were working from home and weren't interacting with other people, or they were retired like you, Dan, and living at home, Mm -hmm. or they were like Dave and I, who were working in pretty heavily regulated industry. Sure. And... We got together and figured out a relatively safe way of playing an event. This year, we wanted to have it again, but we had the extra layer of our good friend Christian was leaving to go back home, uh, back to Australia. So we wanted to send him off in style, and so we ran PantsCon 2. As we were kind of talking about what we wanted to do with this, we agreed that we didn't want to just run a, a regular event. Yeah. So there was this old format from Warhammer Fantasy Battles that some of the community members who now play AOS played, which is called the General's Challenge, which is where there was a number of already pre-written army lists out there, and you drew an opponent and you drew a list for that. Sure. So every round you were playing a different army yourself 
you might be playing against an army that you had played previously. It was a test of your ability to process this kind of you know, new information and work towards success on a quick basis. And it's you don't understand how difficult it is to really get good in an army until you try to read the rules for something you've never played before in like <laughs> 20 minutes and then at least be functional with it on a table. It's a real challenge, but it was great when it you know worked out for everybody and it was very rewarding afterwards to know that you had actually done that. <laughs> yeah. Where that event was largely the general's challenge was competitive oriented, Hmm. we put together the prompt of fun. (laughs) And some folks interpreted fun very differently. Yes. And that showed up in some of the army lists. But I think the overwhelming majority of people, you know, found that kind of sweet middle point of, you know, your list is something cool and interesting, but it also has enough to it where you feel like you have the ability to be successful in the mission that you're going to be playing. And Brendan, it helped a lot that we had that group of people Mm -hmm. because everybody was very patient. Everybody was just enjoying themselves, no matter what they ended up with, no matter what the result of the game. It was just a great day with people smiling before and after the game. And that was really fortunate, I think, given the mix of everything. Yeah, you you have to be able to not only trust people with your models, Mm -hmm. you have to be able to trust those people with the experience. Yes. Right. Because to your point, there is a certain level of patience that has to be endured. You know, for a fair number of people, this is maybe the first time they'd ever even cracked open that particular kind of battle tome. You know, not everybody is the maniac that I am where I own every battle tome. (laughs) And and just from time to time, I go, hmm, I wonder. And like, I'll go upstairs and I'll crack open, you know, the Gitz book or something like that. Number one, that's not normal. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. People put together cheat sheets for it. You know, a lot of folks would (laughs) sit down with the person who is about to play that list and just kind of give them a 10,000 foot, hey, here's what you got to know. This is what this does. And they explained it real quick to the person piloting the list. You know, there's certainly times that over the course of the the day where people would shout over to a table where they know what that thing does. They'd be like, hey, don't forget that you do this. Right. So it was a good time. We had absolutely the right kind of group of people to be able to do that. One of the things that it has inspired me from is to potentially do the competitive version of it, though. Of course. Dan, that might be in our near future. (laughs) Okay. So we'll see about that. So you talked about the list lottery and how we kind of, you know, randomly picked armies and and opponents the battle plans were basically i know you talked about were modifications of existing battle plans yep with the exception that in every one of them there was some kind of a a pants modification that created a random amount of mortal wounds typically is what we had which was interesting we had the first one was a modified gift from the heavens where when the meteors land they do mortal wounds in an area Mm -hmm. on a four up You know, you had a modification relocation orb where its movement was modified. There were spells that you could cast to try and move it again or make it do mortal wounds. Mm -hmm. And then we had a modified scorched earth where when you burned it, the octant that it was in detonated. The entire octant, yeah. Yeah. In my game with the Octant, not very much happened. Yeah. You know, but there were stories from game three of, of people who were playing where <laughs> the Octant burnings it involved some really high dice rolls. Wildfires, yeah. 
Okay, so that's kind of the background of this. And we're going to go through the lists a little bit. You know, we're not going to deep dive into these, but just kind of you'll get a feel for them by just listing what's mm-hmm. on them. Again, if you want more detail on this, please search out Pants Mafia on YouTube because Alex and Christian and Kyle did a really nice detailed breakdown of uh, what the lists were. So let's just go through these. The first list was Alex uh, Malonis. He put together a Stormcast list called Castigation Station. It'll become obvious why. <laughs> they were Knights Excelsior. Uh, hold the Line was his grand strategy. He had a Lord Relictor who was a general. He had a High Priest and Translocation of course. He had a Lord Imperitant who had an Arcane Tome and uh, Thundershock for his spell. You had a Knight Judicator with Griffhounds and then you had two units of Annihilators. Now these are the guys with the shields so they had the better save. They weren't as punchy. Then you had three units of six Castigators in this list. Easily the most number of castigators that have ever seen the table at one time. <laughs> we had five judicators with boltstorm crossbows and then five evocators with grand staves. It was a three-job list, so that's kind of very shooty. Still had some punch with the annihilators and in the evocators are still a force to be reckoned with. I mean, I played with this list my third game, so uh, that was Alex's list. Really nice, very different than I think people might have expected. The next list was your list. It was a Nagash list. Why don't you talk about that one a little bit? So mine was an Osiarch Bone Reapers Nagash list with the Staliarch sub-faction. Mm-hmm. The entirety of the list was Nagash, Elise, Kavalos, <laughs> and then four units of five Death Riders. Just horses. All in a battle regiment. Well, and the reason was because Nagash technically has a mount in the mm-hmm. in the ghosty boys that float around with him. Yes. So that means that the whole army gets to run and charge. Mm. The whole army can spend relentless discipline points to retreat and charge, because everybody's got a mount. Mm-hmm. So this is just a really hyper-aggressive slam into your opponent, mm-hmm. do a bunch of damage, get out of combat, Charge back in, you know, in an advantageous position, rinse and repeat. Sure. Also, there is an umbral spell portal because mandatory. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to throw some stuff in there that was good, some stuff that was interesting, and I wanted to keep the number of war scrolls to a minimum so that the mental requirements for somebody who hasn't played Bone Reapers before was at a minimum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I played against this list my second game, so it was really interesting. It was a, it was a good game, though. <laughs> But it was fun to see all those horses on the board. It really was cool. Cool looking. Uh, this next list was created by one of our PantsCon friends, Christian. I think yep. he did this. Now, just for context here, listeners, one of the things we did, we had some awards, which we'll talk about at the end. But one that's in particular is the most popular list, the one people liked the most. There were 10 lists, and you had to you ranked, including your own, everyone from 1 to 10. One being you really liked it 10. You thought it was like the biggest piece of dirty trash that you've ever seen so your minimum is 10 your maximum is 100 right this list that we're going to talk about here got 93 out of 100 points an average of 9.3 on the hate list on the hate scale and you'll see why it was just brendan played this list against me and it was just insane it's luna did not have a good time i it was, hey, I smiled at the end. I was I was doing good. You were glad it was over. I was. That is truth. Grand strategy is prize sorcery. The general was a wind mage. And then the other leader was Severith, Lord of the Seventh Wind, who is, in fact, a fox. He's just a buffed up fox. The named character. Yep. And then we had three units of ten wardens, which are the... Mandatory battle guys. line. Yep. And then we had four more foxes. It was just nuts. 
and it was two drops. So the next list is my list, which was Pants Radicar. It was Gravelords. Uh, it was Veracos. I had Hold the Line for my grand strategy for obvious reasons. Well, it'll uh, be obvious soon. Yeah. <laughs> my leaders were I had Belladama. I had Radicar the Beast. Gorslav, the awesome Gravedigger Gravekeeper. And then a Necromancer was my general, who had an Arcane Tome. And he had Pack Alpha. And the spell Decrepify, which is very useful. In terms of units, we had one corpse cart with the brazier. We had two units of 40 zombies, a brick of 30 direwolves. Yes, that is correct. 30 direwolves. And then two units of 10 direwolves. You guys were talking about 60. You're saying, well, remember that Radicar can summon another 10. So there were 60 wolves in this list, essentially. And Belladama can turn some stuff into other yeah, wolves. And, and, and we did have, yeah, we had Spell Portal too. There's yeah. a lot of wolves. <laughs> so many wolves. I, so I played this list game three, and it was, I'm glad I got the opportunity to play it. Yes. And you know, we'll talk about it a little bit more at length. Because <laughs> on the drive down, I felt that it had the core of being something, you know, relatively competitive. And I think... That I left with a very similar, Good. you know, feeling to be able to put hypothesis to practice. Okay. Uh, the next list was Fire Slayers list, and Kyle wrote this list. Kyle did write the Fire. Yeah. Slayers why don't you list. talk about this one? The Fire Slayers list was Gotrek number one because you can't play dwarves without you know the dwarf with the Vostarg sub faction. The Orc Rune Father on Magmadroth was your general. You had a Rune Master on foot, a Rune Smiter on foot, and a Rune Smiter on Magma Droth. You had 10 Volkite Berserkers. Then you had 10 Hearthguard Berserkers with Pole Axes, 10 with Broad Axes, the Life Swarm that was broken out into the Warlord and a Hunter's Battalion. Yep. And those Hearthguard were just so darn beefy. Ooh, man. So good. Yeah. It's been a long time since I had seen them on the table. Because you used to be able to take a brick of 30 of them, and there was, you know, some armies just could do anything about sure. that. But 10 still pack quite a punch. They were what they were for a reason, so... Yeah, that is true. All right. Next list is the Mage Murderers. This is lots of big guys, lots of big names here. Yes, this is Mike Westendorf's list. Mike, yeah. Um, it was really cool that Mike and uh, Nick came up from Indianapolis, so mm -hmm. it was really great to see them. The Allegiance is Big Wog, and Crump em Up is the grand strategy. Uh, and that's the special War Clans yes. strategy where you have to have one of those three in your list, and like you have to have like only three or less enemy units on the battlefield at the end of the game or something like that. Crazy. Pretty difficult to control, but obviously not here for the competitive will to <laughs> no, a fair bit all. of this. And you'll see that in a second here. So he had Gordrak on a cabbage. He had Gobsprack on a vulture. And he had Kragnos. Yep. Were his leaders. He had three units of five Ard Boys and a Beastcure Killbow. And that was it. Yeah, seven drops. Yeah, cool. This was great. Seeing all those big guys on the table was very, very awesome. Uh, the next one is Nick's list that he brought, and it was a Nurgle list, right? We it had was. A Nurgle list, yeah. It was a very different Nurgle list than you're used to seeing. Cool. The sub-faction was <laughs> Munisvent Wanderers, which you are used to seeing, yes. but your general was a Lord of Afflictions to turn Pusco Blight Lords into battle line because you had a unit of four and then two units of two of those. Mm -hmm. You had Festus, who it's been a while since I've seen Festus. Yes. Two units of ten plague bearers, two units of three nurglings, and three plague claw catapults. <laughs> it was great. With an emerald life swarm, hunters, a battle regiment, oh, man. and 
a grand battery for those plague claw catapults. So plague claws. Oh man, crazy stuff. They're not very good, <laughs> but he brought them, and that's very awesome. high ceiling potential. Yes. Oh man! And then Tanya wrote a list for cities. Mm-hmm. She had a grand strategy of Predator's Domain. The city was Harkuron. Uh, she had a sorceress as her general, another sorceress, and then Little Marathi and Big Marathi, of course. She had four units of 10 Dark Shards, 10 Shadow Warriors, 10 Bloodstalkers, and then two Drakespawn Chariots and the Umbral Spell Portal. So, two drop list. Very nice. Very a lot nice. of people came away from the weekend talking about that list as being more competitive than they expected it to be, that there might be a little bit of gas to it. Okay. That was definitely a nice thing for us to be able to talk about, because I know Tanya was getting a little frustrated with that list. Have some people go, this was better than I thought it was going to be, I think was nice. Good. Next up was Zach Cachetta's with his Bone Splitters. (laughs) Here we go. Which had five Wargog Prophets, one of which was the General with the glowing Tattoos. Care Bear Stare, you call it. Care Bear Stare. <laughs> so for those of you that don't know, the Wargog Prophet has an ability on their War Scroll where they can forego casting God. for that hero phase. On a 3-up, they do D3 Mortal Wounds to the enemy unit that they target within 12. At that point, you're left with the decision. You can continue staring or stop. Mm-hmm. If you continue staring, on a 3-up, you do D3 Mortal Wounds to the enemy unit. And on a 1 or a 2, you do D6 Mortal Wounds to yourself. <laughs> You can continue making that decision until you either stop, the enemy unit is dead, or your unit is dead. Yes. And you're a coward if you (laughs) stop staring. There were a lot of exploding Wurgog prophets. Yeah. (laughs) You could hear it any part of the house. You knew when it was happening. It was hilarious. You have the five Wurgogs. You had... (laughs) Two units of 10 Savage Orcs, a unit of 10 Arrowboys, two units of four Big Stabbas, a Rogue Idol, the Burning Head Battle Regiment and uh, the Warlord Battalion. The Rogue Idol held up that list quite a bit. Basically, once the Rogue Idol went, was when things really started falling apart. Sure. Alex's list. Yes, yep. yes. Yes. Oh, oh yeah. That's the list I played. Mm-hmm. It had one Mega Gargant. Yeah, one War Stomper. And so two units of three man... Man Crushers. Man Crushers. And then three individual Man Crushers yep. for a total of nine. It was Stomper Tribe. Yep. Because that's the one that you where you're incentivized to bring the Man Crushers. The Man yeah. Crushers get more for being in the Stomper Tribe. And the limitation there is is you can't use general command abilities. Mm-hmm. You can only use the ones in the book. Yeah, the big so. shout. They are basically some variation of the ones in the book, mm-hmm. but the only issuer can be... Big guy. Big guys. Yep. All good. Those are the lists. Yep. And uh, we're going to talk about our games here. Yeah, so game one is only going to be one conversation because we played each other. Yes. You and I drew each other. <laughs> You drew the Stomper Tribe list. Which I was pretty excited to play because I never, I say never, I most likely, very likely will never play a Giants list. Mm-hmm. So it was. I was kind of excited to get them out on the board and push them around and start beating up on stuff. And push them around you did because I drew <laughs> the Foxes list. Oh, God. Which ultimately yeah. resulted in a game in which you kept track of the amount of damage I did. <laughs> Then politely pulled off the models for me. I did. I was very, very much the gentleman each and every time. Yep. <laughs> Eventually the game ended, right? You know, and, and we went... Thank God. Well, that was indeed a game of Warhammer, I guess, technically. Oh, so we man. played Gift from the Heavens. I outdeployed you. Yes. And I set up 
with my first battle regiment, which was the Wind Mage and the three units of Wardens on the left. Yeah. And I set my five Wind Spirits up on the right. Mm. You set up on your right one of the units of three and the three units of one. The War Stomper in the middle as the hinge point, And then a the last unit of three on the outside edge, which was squaring off against my five foxes. Right. And the intention... And intention only it was, was to swing the door around kind of to the left for my guys and to try to hopefully at least one of those objectives was going to drop in my kind of two thirds of the board, either the center or my right side. I'm just going to say that uh, Brendan went on a rant about foxes. About two episodes ago. Yeah. Yeah. And I listened and it was like, I believe him. He knows the game. Well, I played against five of them and they are just stupid they are the single most unfun war scroll in the game of warhammer i just felt like it's one of those things where you talk about games where you just don't feel that you participate that you're there and you're a good you know a good sport and you just kind of watch somebody else roll the dice you try to play as much of the game as you can but you do it you know, politely and, and again, in, in the spirit of sportsmanship and you shake hands and walk away going, I hope I never, ever see that again in my life. Because if I, and I, I said to people, I said, if I see this list again this weekend, I'm going to get my flask out. I'm going to shake my opponent's hand. I'm not going to play that game. I wouldn't have. I literally wouldn't have, Brendan, because I was not going to go through that again. Right. So we'll talk about what happened yeah. specifically yeah. here then. Oh. So I gave you the top of the turn. Yep. You moved up. I moved my foxes up. I shot off the the first three man. Mm-hmm. I then sealed your army in to the two thirds that you had claimed the stake of, mm-hmm. and I had sealed you out of the other third. Mm-hmm. I then double turned you. Yes. In which case, I then sealed you into of that two thirds that you were in. I sealed you into one sixth of the board. Yes. Unfortunately, the center objective landed in my sealed out area. The other objective, you know, in as we played into three, because I, I brought mm-hmm. all my foxes up, yep. I placed them three inches away. You did what little moving I permitted you to do. Yeah, that's at the end of your it. shooting phase. I backed up so you couldn't charge me. Then I maintained priority into three. Mm-hmm. I jumped forward again, sealed yep. you in, stood on all three objectives, scored a zillion points. Mm-hmm. You moved a little bit, I jumped away. All the while pulling off units. Mm-hmm. And we just repeated that process until it got to a point where it was unscorable. Yep. You know, you charged into some wardens. I charged in all my foxes to try and bring your general down. And the one thing I did do was I killed both of your leaders. Yep. That was my accomplishment. Uh, I got both of them with my uh, mega gargant before he was just ganged up on and just torn down. It was kind of depressing because I had the man crushers kind of lined up, you know, as they were going away. I put them to the side of the board and this line just kept getting longer. There was three, there was five, there was seven. I'm going, oh boy. It's crazy. You lost almost as many man crushers as I lost total models. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's the way the army plays. That's the way the unit plays when it's played correctly. And it is what it is for now and hopefully not. But again, I got to see it firsthand and I'm... I'm glad I did. I'm glad I had that experience and can talk about it as a learning. With you and your therapist. Yeah, yeah. with my therapist, my Sigmar therapist. Oh, man. So that was our game one. And then for game two, you ended up 
playing who? I ended up playing Tanya. Okay. So I ended up picking up the Nurgle list in the draw. Okay. And Tanya had the Bone Splitters list. Now she had just played that exact same matchup, but she was the Nurgle player. So part of what this was is there's a mechanic where you wouldn't have to play the same army more than once. Right. It was just really funny that those two armies got mm-hmm. paired together again, and she was on the opposite side <laughs> yeah, of that, that particular kind of endeavor. The difference in this relocation orb versus some other ones is it moved at the end of every player turn. Mm-hmm. And the way that it was designed, it was heavily incentivized to move left and right and only a little bit of, you know, towards or away from mm-hmm. a given player. I had more drops than Tanya did, but she chose to go first. You know, she moved up. You know, she took control of the middle. The objective ended up moving, you know, to the left. <laughs> uh, I engaged with as much of my army as I could. I saw an opportunity to try and go for her general. After we talked about it a little bit, she chose to call the Bone Splitters Wa, which adds plus two to their, you know, ward save in mm-hmm. that combat oh, phase. Yeah. yeah. The general had a two-up ward save, Whew. but from my perspective, it was worth it to get that. Like, I dropped the battle tactic, obviously, because, you know, that's a tall order. Yeah. But it got that out of the way. You know, my army was engaged in a meaningful way sure. where the rogue idol wasn't yet. It mm-hmm. had missed kind of a, a longish charge top of one, which was good. I think that game might have been certainly different if the Rogue Idol had made contact top of one. Sure. Because as compelling as the War Skull on the Blight Lords is, man, if they're not rolling sixes on their Reaper size, they are just soft, fluffy pillows Mm -hmm. being swung in the wind. You know, I moved up with the four in the middle to engage the meat of her army. I had two Pusco Blight Lords on either flank to go meet the two 10-mans that were, you know, on either side that were being supported by a hero. I doubled her into two. The objective continued moving left and kind of more towards my corner. So from an objective perspective, I was starting to feel pretty good that on that side of the board, I had it relatively well protected. It was going to be difficult for her to get to that side of the board. Just a matter of how many points am I going to give up from battle tactics and my stuff dying between here and there. Sure. The unit on the right does pretty well. It wipes out the the 10-man units. It does some fair few wounds to the Wargog that's over there. The one on the left, you know, they kill five of the the Bone Splitters. They don't touch the Wargog. The four in the middle are now being supported by the Lord of Afflictions. We're just starting to do damage. The Plague Claw Catapults basically are doing nothing at this point and will continue to do nothing. We're in the thick of this. With the double turn, I'm hoping to kind of get a little bit further so that when it gets time to trigger the Care Bear stare, that there aren't going to be as many Care Bear rolls that I have to worry about. Right, and the range is pretty limited on those. We didn't but mention it's, it's like, 12 inches. Yeah, it's 12 inches. So. But this is an army that wants to be in combat, right. so 12 inches is where you want to be anyways. Right. I don't kill enough of them. Okay. We go into the bottom of two, and the Care Bears start staring. <laughs> the one on the right you know, does some mortal wounds to my unit of two. You know, not kind of a too big of a deal. I end up with five suffered on one of my Blight Lords, and then that Care Bear dies. I had gotten one with my unit of four. That left a total of four. One has already popped its head. You know, so the second one that goes and stares, stares at my unit of four, does a couple of wounds, and, and its head ends up exploding. Yes. The one on the left goes next. 
it stares off all 14 wounds, even oh. through my ward saves Jeez. of the two on the left. That is nuts. And I went, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> now, thankfully for me, the warlord ends up staring itself off without doing too much damage itself. Yes. But in my mind, the damage has already been done. I'm missing two blight lords. Oh, yeah. A full unit of Blight Lords. It's huge. I'm missing some wounds on the four-man, and there's two units of four big stabs that are about to come in, and Rocky is about to come in. So that unit of four is about to be squished. Now, thankfully, my Lord of Afflictions holds out against all odds okay. with some finest hours, some good dice rolls, just hangs on. We end up bringing down Rocky... We end up, you know, yeah. doing some damage. You know, in three, you know, it's kind of looking close. I win priority into top of four, and I'm able to to get the spiral started. Right. And right. just like the rest of the units start coming off, the objective is now in the midst of, you know, because I ended up summoning a uh, unit of plague bearers basically on top of the objective effectively. Okay. So now it's in the midst of like 17 plague bearers against the five arrow boys that are kind of on that same side of the table. Did you ever bring the second tree in? I did. Okay, all right. I had to in order to eventually get the the ten-man summoned in. But I ended up winning that game. It was very close through three, and then... You know, the the wheels just kind of fell off and it was able to resolve itself. Awesome. You, in game two... Got to play the Gotrek list, Mm -hmm. which was really cool. I got to play with that against your Nagash list and the horses. Yeah. Which is very cool. This game two, for me, was really interesting. Again, just I got to see the magnificence that was Gotrek. I had heard stories, of course. I'd seen a few dice rolled, but when... Five of those Bone Reapers pounced on him with like double buffs. They would, I think they had like six or seven attacks a piece. It was just insane. And they take a swipe at him and they only took four wounds off to start, which was nuts. I thought they would have almost killed him. Then when he, oh, Brendan, when he hit back, reroll hits, reroll wounds, mortal wounds. Oh my God. Ren two, damage three. Whoosh! I mean, they were just gone. Fight just like, twice. Woof. <laughs> yeah, because he was like, oh, you know, you can fight twice. I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. No. He's like, yeah. Oh, and don't forget the mortal wounds. <laughs> like, oh, my God. So that was pretty cool. Now, to your credit, that Fire Slayers list is probably one of the more difficult ones mm. to pick up if you've never really done anything with Fire Slayer's Battle Tome before. Yeah. Now, I have to say, and I really thank Kyle for being kind of a tutor as we went through, because he handed me a sheet. But just in the hero phase, there were like 20 things listed, you know. <laughs> of the and, and the magic of that list, I find out at the very end, is just all the synergies, all the ruins being activated at the proper times and the proper sequence. And so he helped me with a lot of that. I think one of the main takeaways is that... The hearth guard need that leadership close. If they, once you lose that leadership, that hero that's within range, they are just a bunch of models on the board, and they're going to die quickly because their four up uh, ward save goes to a six up, and boom, you know it, they just pop. And that's ag- exactly what happened because as you described the list, he just came in at me with 
everything. Oh, that's what he's supposed to do. And he's supposed to do, right. And I was expecting it, and I had myself kind of lined up, ready for it. I had dropped the unit of Volkites over in a corner with one of the heroes, one of the dwarf heroes, to kind of lock down a unit of five. So I was down to 15. I was dealing with that many. Nagash, of course, did Spell Portal, and he tried to do Hand of Dust. And the first two turns that he did that, I picked the right hand both times, which was awesome. He's going, he's like, wait a minute, you can't keep doing that. Now, one of the things that was interesting with this was we had gotten the dispel and you know summon the endless spell kind of a thing wrong as people told us afterwards i think we were in turn three by the time so he would you know at turn two he dispelled it and then cast it again right away and you can't do that right but we didn't know that at the time and that's why we asked afterwards because somebody was like wait a minute you can't and we we're like what I mean, it was fine. We were okay with it. So after that, he knew he couldn't do that. And he was moving the gash so much that it never would have kept up with him. Mm-hmm. So he kind of gave up on that. But he did get one of my Magma Droths with it, with Hand of Dust. Because on the third turn, I did make a bad pick. So, and what he did was really interesting because he got rid of that hero that we were talking about. And when I lost that hero, that unit just melted. That unit of Hearthguard. Right, because you lost your four-up ward. Boom. It was just gone. Just... Psh- because then he just arcane bolted me to death. He cast arcane bolt like six times or something. <laughs> it was like okay, it's part of the game. It was cool, you know. And uh, I still had a, enough hero left. And this was the great part of it. And so I had him down to at that point that he had won on points because early on he was getting everything. He was getting the objective and stuff, and he was getting all of his battle tactics. I had missed a couple, so he only had Nagash and two horses left on the board. And it was turn five, and it was like, well, let's play for the achievements, and listeners will talk about what that was, because that was an award we gave out at the end. Yeah, it was uh, it was a totally separate side, you know, yeah. bar of, of stuff that you could either pay a lot of attention to or none at all. And Kyle was determined to get as many as he could. So I still had Gotrek, and I had another unit of uh, the ten... Hearthguard left. So they moved just like crazy over towards Nagash and these two horses. The Hearthguard made like an 11 inch charge and Gotrek made like boxcars on his charge. So I got them both in against Nagash. And this is where Kyle kind of goes, okay, Dan, this is how this works. And he kind of talked me through all the buffs and everything. And they didn't just kill the Hearthguard Nagash. They tore him up. I did like 30-some wounds, I think, to him or something. <laughs> there was no way he was going to survive that. Gotrek just watched. Like, he didn't even have to do anything. It was hilarious. And then I ended up killing the two horses. So I did table him, but I lost. So that was one of the achievements. Was that was probably to, the single most difficult achievement yes, you could have Yes, was to win but be tabled. But I felt good about it because I tabled him and I killed Nagash. I think he's the second god beast I've killed because I've killed Kragnos. Actually, the third, because I guess you could count Archeon in there. Yeah. I mean, I've killed Archeon now, and I just killed Nagash for the first time. So I'm kind of keeping track of that. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of a fun thing to be able to do. It was a fun game. Kyle's a great guy, and we just had really good banter going on back and forth and you know, kind of talking through the lists and what we were going to do, and we just had a fun time. So it was really great to play him. And we also made a pact... That last time I played against his uh, Morgast list. Yep. And we were going to have a rematch with my Wolf list. Okay. Against that to see how that goes. So that'll be really fun whenever that happens. But Brendan, let's move on to your game three. Yep. Yeah. So game three was the modified Scorched Earth. 
I drew Dan's Vircos Wolf list, and I was playing Alex Gonzalez, who was playing the Hearthguard list that you had just been playing. Yeah. And the way I approached this was you have to be so spaced out during this mission, Mm. and that list doesn't have the ability to play wide very well. Mm -hmm. The Wolf list absolutely does. Mm -hmm. So... The two grave sites on my side, I put, you know, kind of in the middle towards centered back a little bit, you know, have a place where I could put units out defensively. And then the two I placed on his side, I put them basically back in the far right and far left corners almost where I was effectively daring him to come back here and stand on these. Because in my deployment, I had put the two units of 40 zombies in the grave (laughs) As a, if you don't protect these objectives, I'm going to go get them. Mm-hmm. Then I set up the 30 unit of wolves on my far left flank, supported by the corpse cart. And the corpse cart, in my mind, really overachieved in terms of the value it provided. It doesn't do anything offensively. It's not going to kill anything. It really doesn't physically add anything to what it is you're doing. But the handing out the minus one to wound came in pretty clutch in a fair few spots. And we'll talk about that as we get into Alex's turn. Mm -hmm. But sitting next to them was the Necromancer then and Belladama to try and keep that unit of wolves, that 30 unit of wolves, (laughs) highly functional. 60 wolves. (laughs) It's crazy. To the right, on the right flank then, I had the two units of 10 and Radikar. And then Gorslav was just kind of hanging out in the back as a hey, we're going to chuck units out when the time arises. And for those who don't know, Gorislav can bring a destroyed unit back in at half strength every turn. He can bring them in, or every battle round, he can bring in another one of those units that died. So it's very powerful. Bring it yeah, in. Yeah, the list can do it for free. This yes. costs a command point, but this is a guarantee versus, right. versus, versus a, a dice five roll. up or something like exactly. that. Exactly. Yep. Yep. What Alex did is he set up uh, a little bit mirrored to what I had. So on my left side, you had Gotrek, the 10 Broadaxe Hearthguard Berserkers, both the Magma Droths, and then he put the heroes on mm. the two middle objectives. And on the middle objective to my right, his left, he put the 10 Poleaxe Hearthguard Berserkers. Okay. He left the final fourth objective on his left totally unprotected. Mm. I gave him the first turn. He pushed up hard, made some, you know, medium to long charges, started engaging with the parking lot of wolves. Mm. Now, Dan, your list doesn't play Warhammer. It has very limited offensive capability. And when you're playing it, you have to understand that you are not going to be pulling off enemy (laughs) models. And so you don't want to be engaging in combats that you don't have to be involved in. Mm. I would have strongly preferred that, you know, the Volkites and the Hearthguard and the two Magma Dross didn't make it into the parking lot. Right. But, hey, it's 60 wounds. They're on a 5-up save with a, you know, all-out defense, so a 4-up, and then, you know, a death save after that. Yeah. Pretty tough to get through. So, thankfully, you know, the parking lot held pretty strong at, like, 17 or something Mm -hmm. like that out of the 30. Now, I ended up ceding control of an objective because the wolves were covering two of them, and you have Mm -hmm. to pick one. So, he ends up with Four points in his battle tech in that first turn. I go, no problem. I retreat the wolves back, you know, retaining control of the one objective that I have managed to hold on to in this siege. Mm-hmm. I brought the first unit of zombies on, you know, his other objective. Mm. Cool. 
So now I know I have four. I'm going to be able to pick up my battle tactic of having two units in his territory mm-hmm. because the other unit of zombies comes up on the other side. Okay. I don't charge them in because Gotrek is going to murder them. <laughs> yeah, make him come to them. Yeah. Exactly. All right. He ends up winning priority into two. Gotrek turns around, murders the 40 zombies that are over there, but he's off that objective. And I had recently just summoned in two wolves by killing Volkite Berserkers. <laughs> uh, and I thought for sure they were going to die. Right? My, my plan was to, if he turned around with Gotrek, basically summon in you know as many as I could, but as few as would be allowed onto that objective, score it. And so that way I would have you know two of his i would burn okay. that one because that is go trek out of the game effectively right you know he's yeah. he's in a corner where there are no points there are going to be no models it's going to take him forever to get back in the game exactly yeah he scores another so he ends up burning the two objectives on my side that he controls he controls three on his side and he so he ends up with a fair few points, you know, plus his battle tactic. I think it was a mistake to burn those two objectives because there was really no way I was going to be able to go back and get them. Okay. The list just does not do enough, mm-hmm. right? So he had a frontage of, you know, some Volkites, some Hearthguard, two Magma Droths. I'm not going to be able to get to the other side of that realistically. Right. right. You know, on... His left, my right, he ends up moving up the 10 Poleaxe Berserkers to start engaging with the 30 wolves that I have on the right side and Radicar. But because he didn't kill those two wolves, I have one wolf on a half wound <laughs> at the bottom of two that sneaks over, grabs that objective. Ah, that's great. Detonates it. <laughs> nothing happens. <laughs> you know, I have, you know, that top right one. And my zombies end up shuffling over and taking control of his... Now I own the two on his side of the table on my right side. Yeah, yeah. So I own four. I've burnt a fifth. I've got my battle tactic. So you owned four out of, what, five that were left? Correct. Oh, wow. Okay. I was feeling pretty good at that point about what the scoring situation was probably going to be. He maintains priority into three... And this is where the game really tipped over. Okay. His declared battle tactic was monstrous takeover on my middle right objective. Okay. And I had just summoned back through Gorslav, you know, the 20 zombies I was permitted. And I closed the door with a redeploy where I redeployed closer to him so that he wasn't going to be able to Mm. get enough Magma Droth close enough to the objective and control it because I had two heroes there worth four and I was going to have, I needed to have at least one zombie alive to be able to retain control of that objective. Okay. I managed that by quite a few zombies. He holds one objective. He fails his battle tactic. And then into bottom of three, I'm able to score, you know, another six points. Sure. I mean, and if it got close for some reason, you could have just blown those things up for D3, too. Yep. So you had to, you kind of had a reserve of points there, too. Exactly. Okay. So that turn three was really where it tipped over. We played out battle round four just because, but at that point we said, look, the result is obvious. And we shook hands, and I ended up winning Good. my three games of PantsCon. So. That's great. And I'm just so glad that list worked out for you, and I'm glad you got to play it so I could get that feedback. really think that's great. My third game was against Nick, and he played the Nurgle list, which was his own, 
and he is Mr. Nurgle, so that was interesting to play against an army that he's very familiar with. I had the castigation station list, so some shooting, which was fun that I'd never had a list that had that much shooting in Sigmar. (laughs) So it was really cool to have all those shots to take. He kind of deployed across the board. He put his three play claws kind of in between each pair of you know, the objectives. And then he kind of spread his... He had two Blight Lords kind of on the left side. He had four in the middle. And then two kind of between those two groups. So he kind of had all eight of them kind of lined in up a row. on the left-hand side, more or less, center left of the board. And then he kind of forward deployed his Nurglings as screens. I had one unit of Castigators and both Annihilators off the board. That made sense. And I had my Relictor kind of in the middle so he could teleport people depending on where they were if I needed to. The Lord Imperator, it didn't really matter. I kind of had him on my left side. I also had the Evocators kind of in the center right of my line. Uh, the Judicators were in there with the Castigators. And so he got super aggressive. The one thing is that Blight Lords don't punch really hard, but man, they're hard to get rid of. God, they're hard well, to get rid their of. Their damage is unreliable. Yes. How about that? Unre- that's a good way to put it, yeah. You know, a lot of people say Castigators are great. I'm sure for some people they were, but I was rolling way below average. You know, I'm rolling, you know, 63 for attacks, and I'm getting like seven or eight attacks, which is way below average. And then I rolled a hit. You know, maybe I'll get almost all of them. I'll maybe get six or seven uh, hits, but then I get two wounds or something. Sure. I think one time I had 13 attacks. I ended up like with three or four of those actually getting through at the end. So they just weren't producing enough damage to really justify what they were doing. They just had not a lot of output. And so that was kind of disappointing, but I was enjoying shooting. So that was the big thing. <laughs> The funny thing was, and you had mentioned it, where Annihilators, you really have to know where to put them. You have to kind of play enough that you understand that they are a surgical instrument. But they also, you can't put them where they're going to be out of the game. Because they are so freaking slow. So once you drop them, they have to kind of be multitasked when you put them where you put them. And I didn't do that, of course. I got You have to have a multi-turn plan. For I had them. a corner and I got to that one objective, but then they were kind of out of the game because of where I had placed them. He got really aggressive again. He came in on the uh my left side, he got that objective, he got the one on the right side, and he blew them both up. The one on the right side was four of the Blight Lords. And I shot and I got a few of them. I dropped the Annihilators, took some more out. And then the Lord Imperator just was ripping it, man. Wow. First of all, they came in and all four of them attacked him. He took one wound. Out of all four of them attacking, it was Sounds so like funny. Sounds Lords. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and he almost killed one of them back that first turn. Uh, I think he ended up killing two wow. of the four, if I'm not mistaken. He was just swinging like a crazy man. It was hilarious. And then I also had the castigators. I dropped that unit I had off in the center there, so they were shooting at them. And on the other side, my evocators moved over to his two Blight Lords. In between them and uh, some shooting, I ended up getting rid of those two. But again, it was too late because of the momentum he had in points. So the last few turns, I was still in the game and we were playing hard. I was taking a lot of his stuff off, but it just wasn't enough because I had blown up that one objective on his left in the back. I pushed to the second one. I got that one, but it just did not have enough time or momentum to get those other two on his side. I kept the center two on my side, but it wasn't enough. Sure. It was a great game. 
I enjoyed playing him. He's a great guy. He's, we kind of went back and forth on the commentary. You know, he's just always like minimizing his guys. He goes, I'm just telling you they're not going to do anything. You know, when he was shooting. And the funny thing was with the play clause, like they didn't do a lot, but they took off like two of my adjudicators. They took off two or three of my castigators and it was just enough to take the edge off of that unit. I finally got to one of them. I killed one. I killed the second one and it was it was all good. But just a fun game and again, really great to play some Stormcast because again, I don't know if I ever will play that kind of a list and just to have so much fun rolling dice. And I don't know that anybody's going to play that kind of yeah, list. Yeah, <laughs> of course. That makes sense. We were playing down in the uh, couch lobby. Bottom so tables. Whenever you... <laughs> You had to break. People would come down there and just hang out on the couch and stuff and watch and talk. And So that was really fun. So that was my game three. That's it, I think, for our games at PantsCon. Yeah. Really. So in terms of some award winning, Dan, you and I both walked away with uh, awards. Yes, yours was won outright. Yes. Mine was... So, so there were four awards. There was Best General, which Which is got. what I won. There As surprised to no one, right? Best That's Opponent. The... There was Best Achiever. And then there was Best List, mm-hmm. right? So you got the Best General. The Best Achiever, listeners, there was a list of maybe 10 or 12 things like, you know be tabled but win the game or a priest who hurts himself by rolling a one or a wizard who rolls a double one or something and hurts himself. So a lot of stuff that was, you didn't even mean to get it. You just got it. Yeah, some stuff was super easy. Some stuff was a little more difficult. One of them was kill an enemy unit with an arcane bolt. Well, if you were playing the Nagash list... yeah. No problem. Well, and it was funny because Kyle also rolled double ones mm-hmm. with the Gash, so he got that one. But he won that award for Best Achiever, which was really fun. And then uh, the best list went to, who was it? The Savage Orcs. Oh, that, right. The Yeah, the Care Bear Stare guys. Yeah, because yeah, everybody just listened to the stories, and we were all laughing, and just, it was so silly. Yeah, the floor is zero. Yes. The ceiling's infinity, though. <laughs> yes. Like, that's the... <laughs> And so it was a fun list, and everybody had fun playing it. The best opponent actually was going to go to Kyle, but he had already won an award. And, you know, as you always talk about, spread the love, you know, kind of make sure everybody gets something. And so it came down then to Alex Gonzalez and myself, and it was a tie for us. And then the tiebreaker was who had the more popular list. So I ended up having the more popular list. I think I came in third or fourth. I can't remember which. Mm-hmm. I got my best opponent. That was great. I got best painted last year, which was really fun. And the awards listeners for these are Toberlones, custom Toberlone boxes with that award on them. Uh, so you get fun Swiss chocolate inside in a box. Have you finished yours? No. Okay. We're, we're trying very carefully to... I'm about three pieces in on mine. Yeah, so we're going slow. But that was really fun. The awards were great. And just a wonderful weekend with... Uh, you you and I both agreed on the ride home. This uh, was one of the one of the more fun days of Warhammer that we've ever yes, had the opportunity to participate absolutely. in. Absolutely, and it was just the right group of people. It was such mm, a fun event. You know, there was right. some yep. layers of imports to it that you know probably incentivized the making it a little more special. Yeah. You know, we enjoy the road trip, the one dayers. They're long days, but yeah. I know we enjoy those. So Yep, and thank you to all the Pants Mafia folks who put that together. And Christian, I know you're going to be so missed, but I 
yeah, you you're just a great guy in, in the community, and people are gonna wish you the best as you carry the pants tradition down to Australia, and hopefully expand that down there. Thank you all for you know, thank you Kyle to you and your wife for hosting, and just a great time as you said, Brendan. Yeah, great stuff. Good day. So, with that behind us, let us move on as we always do to Scriptorium. Etc. 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 Brendan, we got a few new releases. Mm-hmm. We have a Astro Militarum book called Steel Tread, which is basically tanks versus chaos. Sounds interesting. That is a new book. We have, there's another short, oh, and I just can't remember. We've had a chance to record this show twice now. Yeah, and I still can't remember. And, the, and you've still not looked it up. It's so. so stupid. It's a collection of short stories, 40K. Look it up. You'll see it. There's an orc with a giant axe on the cover. Uh, something in Deliverance, I think. Okay. Uh, anyway, the big news, there's two big things. Uh, one is is that we are, by the time you listen to this, probably in about day eight, eight or nine of the Advent short story subscription, which they always have this time of year. I really recommend that if you don't want to have to chew through a big book, that you consider some of these stories because they're all really good. They're all over the place in terms of 40K, Sigmar, really well written, easy to read, 15, 20 pages, whatever they are. They're like four bucks, I think, if you download them. Consider that short story subscription for Advent. Uh, It's a really good buy and some really good reads. The other thing that came out, which was a really nice surprise, was Wolf Time, which is the third era Indomitus book that has come out, came out in paperback, which is what I was waiting for, Brendan. So I was really happy to see that and to be able to pick that thing up. Yeah, you weren't expecting that for a while. No, I was expecting that hardback, but man, this was just a great, great surprise. And I'll talk about that in a second. So that's our new stuff. How about you for reads and so forth? So I finished Warhawk. Yes. And I think we were both pleasantly surprised to be able to do the talking about the book on the drive down. Yes. Because this is the first time that you and I have been on roughly the same page with a book, you know, or oh, or any subject matter for that, really. We were able to, to talk about, you know, kind of in close proximity to completion of finishing those. Following that, I followed your recommendation and I listened to Scar's. I really like Scars. Scars is very interesting because there's just so much from Scars and Path of Heaven that inform what occurs in Warhawk in the same way that that Mortarian book, like the Cursed Blade or something like that. The dagger. um, It's a dagger. Yeah. So Buried Dagger. Buried Dagger. That informs the other half of what happens in Warhawk from the perspective of the Death Guard Mm -hmm. and... Having this, you know, extra information has me, in retrospect, kind of understanding Warhawk more than I have some of the other books kind of on the more micro level, right? So the heresy stuff was, you know, 10,000 foot. Everybody everybody who knows 40K roughly knows what happens. One of the things I want to... You mentioned Scars is I really love that story because it's one of the very few heresy books that gives us the loyalist side chapter that goes through what all the traitor legions went through except in turn instead of turning to chaos like they all did this is the one story you get where the loyalist legion fought through and stayed loyal but you really get that deep dive into it where you don't get that in a lot of the other loyalist stories so that I think that's one of the most interesting parts about it. That was really good. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm working on Path of Heaven right now. Yeah. Got the Giannis 
biography to listen to at right. some point here. It's, that's queued up, so mm-hmm. you know at, at some point I'll plug into that. But obviously, you finished Warhawk as we talked about yes. it, or you're a very good liar. No, uh, I, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is that your watches and stuff? Yeah. Okay. So I finished it. Awesome book. There was one of my favorite, there were many favorite things. One of the things is that we had some really interesting character develop in terms of Ifrady Keeler, who most people know about. Just very unexpected direction for her. I love that Garville Loken showed up in the story. I always love seeing him in these. It's great to have those old friends kind of show up in these books. One of the other things was. This very, there was this conversation going on between Dorne and the Khan, and Dorne very uncharacteristically just kind of broke character, and he was just like, just ripped the guy a new one kind of thing. It was like, whoa, that was Dorne saying that? It was just really fascinating to see that different side of him. And the other part of that with me, and I don't think, we're not giving anything away, this was just a very different Dorne than we've seen for the rest of the heresy, literally. He really has changed. There was some forced character development and i don't mean that it was like shoehorned in i mean that he had no options other than to yes develop as a character to to evaluate situations and make decisions that were outside of his natural framework yes and it, that was really cool to see that with him it, it finally made him a more compelling character absolutely agreed because he's never been one of my favorites for sure sure so that was really cool and then once I finished Warhawk, I needed another Dead Tree book. And I saw that Cursed City was on the shelf. It's been there for months. And it was like, oh, this is a great time while I'm waiting for Wolf Time to come out. And then, like, just a few days after I started Cursed City, Wolf Time came out in paperback. I'm like, oh, well, back on the shelf. So yeah. it's still sitting up there patiently waiting to be read. Wolf Time, I'm going to tell you, having read a few more pages since we talked last, if you are any kind of a Space Wolves fan, you read this book. I mean, it checks every block. There's Logan Grimnar, there's Arjak, there's Najal Stormcaller, all these characters. All the the superstars, the Beatles of... All the characters uh, from the Codex you will see in this book. They had the, I'm thinking, is it uh, Ulrich the Slayer? Is the chaplain, kind of the, you know, chaplain for the Space Wolves? At first, you don't get much of this, of the Space Wolves, the first couple chapters. But then all of a sudden, it just pours them in, like out of a pitcher. So really great that way. Listen-wise, Rise of the Ranger and Sean Dillon are very slowly moving forward. As I start doing more hobbying, as I was doing hobbying to get ready for PantsCon, I've been listening to more of those. But the big thing is that Cindy and I finished our third Commerce Arcane book and still very enjoyable to have her kind of participate in that listening. It's gotten to the point now where she kind of knows who the characters are and what they're going to say. So it's kind of funny <laughs> that she knows what that reaction is going to be or whatever. And she kind of comments. Uh, so I'm sure we'll start on that fourth book soon. Two things. One, Bebop, Cowboy Bebop. They made a live action on Netflix. I'm just going to say so very sad. Now, this is from a person who is a big anime fan and that version of Cowboy Bebop. You know, there's a point where when you do these live action remakes where you just don't respect the original. 
And I think that's the problem I have, is they're just making these fundamental changes to the story, or there's way too much exposition at the at the very beginning. They just drop it all in, so there's no character development. There's no tension. There's no kind of trying to figure out some things that are happening. Because in the anime, you get introduced to these characters, and you know there's something going on, but it takes several, several, several episodes before you start really understanding who these people are and why mm-hmm. they're who they are. In Bebop, in, in the remake... They just drop it in right away. And you're like, okay, so where are you going to go from here kind of a thing, right? And then there's some other things where they take existing side characters and they totally rewrite them. And again, to me, that's just disrespectful of the original. I mean, if you want to go somewhere else creatively, do that, but make sure that you respect the original and keep that part of it in there and then when you get past that original piece start moving in another direction so again i think it's going to depend a lot on whether or not you've actually seen the original anime and you're an anime fan because if you are i think this won't quite be what you expected if you've never seen cowboy bebop before i think you might enjoy this i think it might be more enjoyable if you don't have that other piece of it so just you know whatever you choose to do i hope you enjoy it then the other thing is that I have a sickness, Brendan, because I saw Doom for the fourth time. Oh my God, Dan! And man, this was we the need thing to where- stain. We need to stage a Dune intervention. <laughs> we do a, a Dune intervention. After you know, I saw it with you. Dune it was like I'm done. This is great. And then I had a former student call me. He's like, Barrett, you, I really want to see this movie with you. I know you're going to be able to help me. You know, explain stuff and all this. It was like I'm not going to say no to the guy, right? So the lesson here, <laughs> listeners, is if you want Dune explained to you. Email Dan, oh, and he'll sit down at the movies with you and explain Dune. We don't have a Patreon, but I, I'm sure for the right price, Dan will sit down oh, and explain Dune to you. Crazy stuff. So I, of course, enjoyed it. I was in the theater again, so that was really, really fun and all good stuff. So that's it, I think, for my reads and listens and watches and such. So what are the odds that the next time we come together and record, you're, mm. the, the same note is going to be here is, I, Dan Bears, <laughs> once again, watch Dune. I- I don't think it's going to be that high because I think people would have asked me by now, but you never know. We'll have to wait and see. Maybe I'll be able to say I haven't seen Dune again. Oh, wow. So that would be great. That would be the first time in four episodes. (laughs) All right, man. We're going to move on, it appears, to this and that. We're back to five questions apiece, my friend. Yep. Okay. All right, then, Brendan, it's time to decide, as you always get to. Would you like to go first? Would you like to be asked first, or would you like to ask? Uh, So I'll do the asking first, because I didn't change up any of my questions. Okay. And I know you changed up at least a couple of them. Yes, I did. Absolutely. I know the answer, but you, the listener, don't. (laughs) First things first, the ones that are relevant to, you know, what it is that we were kind of doing. Yeah. PantsCon 2. What is the list that wasn't there that you really would have wanted to see? And, you know, like, I'm just looking for, like, a 10,000-foot view on this one. You know, like, uh, Bellacore plus Mixed Demons, Legion of the First Prince. You know, no specific god or anything like that. I have to think about this again, because you did ask, but... Now we're several days removed. You're in a different space. (laughs) You know, eating chicken instead of sandwiches. Yes, yes. I think I would have liked this scene... An Ideneth list without eels. Somebody come up with a creative list that people could still, you know, 
do okay with, still enjoy playing, that wasn't just punch the button and it goes kind mm-hmm. of a thing. I think that would have been really interesting to see how creative somebody could have gotten with that type of a list. Okay. Yeah, that would have been my choice. All right. Next up is, obviously, you've seen a fair few different kind of trophies in Age of Sigmar. You've been to a number of different events. Uh, you've gotten the opportunity to eat a few of your trophies. Yeah. What is your favorite trophy in Age of Sigmar? I think... The coolest one I've ever seen was kind of visualizing your trophy case was that Dragonfall trophy with the giant dragon on it. That just looked freaking awesome. I think that's my favorite one, too. I can still visualize that. It was just like, I want one of those, even if I didn't win one. I I really enjoy those. That was really cool. They're nice. Yeah. Very, very nice looking. The other thing, you know, now that you've been to and seen, you know, a fair number of events... You know, attempting to manifest DanCon into something that's real. What is the DanCon dream mm. format? I, I've thought about, like, all the lists I've seen, you know, and, and all the tournaments I've played, which is still a limited number, I suppose. But I think one of the things I'd like to do is have a way for other people to, in some maybe minimalist way, kind of neuter some of those crazy things that you see, like giants. You see a giants list, for example. Maybe you have a little tokens that people have, like five of them. They can mm-hmm. use one a game or something, where you hand the giant player a list, and it, we call it something like, I can't see my toes or something. It makes for maybe one turn or something where the giants are minus one to hit, minus one to wound, minus one damage for that turn. The giant player just has to deal with that. And before when we talked about this, your initial reaction was, well, that's just crazy because every turn the giant... Here's what I think about that. After playing that stupid fox list, imagine if you're at a tournament and five different people are going to have to play a a stupid list like that. Mm -hmm. They have to go through the same thing five times. So you know what? If that fox player... Here's another one I would do. You know, if there's a fox player... Oh, wow, you're I give, angry. Yeah, I give somebody a token where that fox player can only move in the movement phase and in the charge phase. No flying retreat, none of that other stuff, so it really limits their mobility. I think that would be really cool across the board. You know, or if it's an eel list, do something that'll make it so that that one turn the eels can't go first. You know, just uh, that's their whole army, though. But, that's the but whole. You know what? The whole purpose of. But there are people who have lists like that who totally neuter other people's lists because they have that ability. You know, they make it so that other player can't be competitive. You know, but again, we limit it to say one turn. Because, guys, the original suggestion was the entire game. Like, the whole entire game, and And it was like, no, that's I had to wave them off. I said, this is too much. (laughs) So I came around for another landing, and this is my modified answer. But, Brendan, something like that to make it fun for everyone and make people not feel like they're not participating. Sure. I guess that would somehow we come up with something mechanic to to help that happen. Anyway, that would be my Dan Con initial concept. All right. Question number four is where we veer into sports territory. Oh, yeah. Baseball offseason has started. The Brewers had some very high hopes. I'm a White Sox fan, so I don't care. The Brewers had some very high hopes headed into last season, and you estimated correctly kind of where the Brewers season was going to end. Free agency, the offseason is where 
hopes and dreams live and die. Oh, man. Dan, I, I give you control of the Brewers franchise and the purse strings. Who's the player you're going out to get? Brendan, I think uh, Freeman, first base. Yeah, first baseman is who we kind of need a first baseman. We have our normal guy. You know, you can our, trade him. You're in charge. Big guy, right? yeah. That's the... So I think Freeman would be a good pickup because Cindy had mentioned this too. And so I think that that would be my first choice because we've always needed first baseman. Always. We just never can settle on anything there. I'd like to have somebody in there who we could bring in for three or four or five years to just get into that position and stay there so mm-hmm. okay okay final question in the time between when we recorded originally and when yes. we're recording now yeah we actually know who the four in the college football playoff are going mm-hmm. to be yeah sure you have the number one seeded alabama number two michigan number three georgia and number four cincinnati yeah dan come that first weekends after the new year's bowl games i believe it'll be the 11th or the 10th of January. I think it's yeah. the 10th of January yeah. when the championship game is going to be played. Who is going to be this season's... Alabama. Uh, Alabama. I pick Alabama. I think, you know... Real front runner stuff here. Well, the thing is, like with that whole Bama-Georgia game, when they just crushed Georgia, <sighs> uh, you know, people for a while before that had really been, at least from what I remember hearing, bad-mouthing Saban. You know, just they're really putting him down. You know, he's this, he's that, and just bad talking him, at least in the sports. I'm sorry, but the guy is one of the greatest coaches in college football. He just is. He is singularly the most successful college football coach. And whatever he's doing, he's doing it right. And by every measure that you would measure a coach, he's a great coach. He's winning games. Leave him alone. He's doing a great job. Move on. So I take it Alabama, It's for sure. Just like it's very difficult to bet against LeBron in the playoffs, mm. I don't bet against Nick Saban when he's got no. time to prepare. Absolutely I not. Just, and he has plenty of time to prepare that um, team. So fundamentally, the Alabama team that we have seen for the first 12 games of the season mm. did not look like that team that played no. Georgia. No, Their offensive line wasn't totally right. Their running game wasn't what it normally is. Their defense wasn't playing the way that we know Alabama defenses to be. And they just they just rolled out to that Georgia game. And they were the Alabama team that we see. They were a machine. Every single year. Uh, and I attribute that to coaching. That's where that gets all pulled together. All those other issues. The coach is the one who drives that team and motivates them to make them that different than they were. I so think. they've got about three and a half weeks to prepare yeah. for Cincinnati. No problem. I'm glad Cincinnati's going to be involved, but <laughs> I just are. don't see how it ends well. I don't know if they're going to be happy. Yeah. And then, you know, they get <laughs> right. two weeks from there to get yeah. ready for the winner of the other game. And if it's Georgia, they already know the game plan. Perfect. Yeah. So, so those are my yeah. five. Okay. I have a couple of, yeah, I have a few Sigmar questions here. So one that's different this time is... I received my dragons, as I talked about, sure. you know, this week, just yesterday. And I want to know, are you going to build Krondis or Karazai? Oh, that is a good question. I thought you were going to ask swords or spears. No. I think I would take Krondis. I really like his spells. I don't know that one is fundamentally better than the other one. Mm-hmm. I think having access to the wizardry component, Yeah. I think while they're the same points, does raise his ceiling a little bit. Sure. You get a little more flexibility out of him. Okay. So you get to choose one or the other. You get to either 
bring Gotrek or you get to bring Marathi to a game? Mm. This is a good question. They fundamentally do different things. Mm -hmm. It takes different solutions to answer the question of what both of those sets of models bring to the table. Okay. The difference in my mind, though, is Gotrek is a solo piece. I don't think he individually adds or modifies the strength of your army very much. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a sizable several hundred point investment, and he is a blender. Mm-hmm. But with the appropriate understanding and strategy, he can be largely avoided. Okay, right? You know, he can be okay. isolated. He can't be teleported. He's a movement four model, right? You know, like there's some tricks and things that you can do to to increase his speed a little bit by redeploying closer to enemy models as opposed to, Mm. you know, further away. Yeah, of course. But I think the different thing that Marathi offers is Marathi is a force multiplier. While Marathi is more points, and Marathi has, you know, a different kill condition, you know, you can't heal her back, where obviously with Gotrek you have the ability to to heal him up, and and he Mm. is quite difficult to get his wounds through on. Marathi has the ability to take the sum of the parts around her and turn them into a greater whole than what you would have had in many cases without her. Okay. So I would be taking Marathi if not for the only reason being when you build the army, you end up with something else entirely. Okay. At PantsCon 2, what is a list you would have wished you could have played? Mm. Going into it, I wanted to have played the Bone Splitters list, but mm. I got the opportunity to play against it, so I got to kind of see it in action. Okay. Um, I think I would have liked to have played the Mage Killers list. Ugh, so sure. Gordrak, Gobsprack, and Kragnos. Yes. It just seems like fun. It just seems like a good time to be able to, to play all of that stuff together and roll them out there. You know, I've played a, a fair few games against Kragnos with our friend Nick as he was getting ready yeah. for Circle City. So, you know, I've seen that. I've played against plenty of Maw Crushers. You know, Gordrak is just a, another version of a Maw Crusher Lord. Haven't had the opportunity to play Gobsprack. Gobsprack's still very new. But, you know, his anti-mage unbinding rules are pretty cool. Yeah. I think that's a list okay. I would have liked to have played. I don't think I would have ended up going 3-0 and if I had played it at any point. But, you know, that's totally fine. Okay. We're on a road trip. Mm-hmm. Would you prefer to drive or ride shotgun? I think overall, I'd prefer to ride shotgun. But for the nature of a lot of the road trips that we engage in, I'd rather just drive, right? You know, I'm usually the one coming from the furthest north of any of our group of folks, and we're usually almost always headed south. Yeah. I'd rather just have the car with me. I'd rather just, you know, pick people up, load stuff in my car, yeah. as opposed to transferring to my car, getting in my car, warming it up, you know, from the riding shotgun. Like, I really just want to, like, keep going, okay. the, I think is the thing. Sure. But, you know, like, if if we were headed north and you were swinging by to pick me up, hey, man, all, all good. good. Okay. All right. Cool. Yeah. Then the last question is developed from something that happened between when we originally recorded it now. Oh, no. Happily, I and I'm very happy for you and your team. Purdue men's basketball for the first oh, time wow. in the history of the school is rated number one. Okay. Do you believe that they are going to make it to the Elite Eight or the Final Four? I answer this question as a person who who knows their sports teams consistently to not be okay. really anything great. Right. The moment you place expectations on any Purdue sport. Mm. Aside from women's volleyball 
and men's diving, mm-hmm. the teams fall apart. Uh, okay. So I will preface this with I am thoroughly grateful that the team is this compelling this early. They will break my heart at some point. So I'll take Elite Eight so that at least okay. if they do make it further than that, I can be like, I was wrong. Uh, and I in was wrong. Way. Right. I was wrong in the direction that I am okay with. Okay. Yeah. I've had quite the sporting year. Yeah. It's been crazy, hasn't it? For it's, Aside for from teams. the Bears, RIP Bears, the, you know, the Bucks won the NBA championships. Yes. My White Sox made the playoffs in a full season instead of a shortened one. Yes. Uh, they didn't do anything in the playoffs, but they, okay. they made it. My Purdue football team was actually pretty good. Yeah. They've got the Music City Bowl coming up, and they're an eight-win team. Yes. I, like It's been a long time, and the basketball team is number one in the country. That's amazing. And they have metrics that actually suggest that they're number one as opposed yeah. to just like, oh, well, they were the highest-ranked team before, and they, they haven't lost yet. So go. here you go. <laughs> Very exciting. Very fun. That's really I guess I would trade the Bears being bad for all of that. Okay, so perfect. Then that's it for, for that's my the fun. show. Let's head over to show close, and we'll see you there in a moment. There is something going on around here, something you may not even know about. So, Brendan, yes, it's time to kind of talk about the future a little bit. We know what the next episode is going to be. We just don't know when. We know that Nurgle's coming out pre-order this coming Saturday. So a couple days Mm -hmm. after this hits the airwaves. We're not sure because of our local store being kind of closed down if we're going to be able to get our hands on the book at least a few days early. So depending on that, we may end up recording closer to Christmas than we had thought we would or whatever else. We may end up waiting till after Christmas. We just don't know yet, but our next show will definitely be Nurgle. Yep. There is no question about that. And after that, we know or we hope that the FAQ will be coming out. So that will be a whole show to commentary. and uh, Well, hopefully it'll be a whole that. show. Yeah. right. Hopefully that there's enough oh. in the FAQ to warrant yes. an entire show. And if not, we'll come up with some other foolishness. Yeah, because the winter FAQs have been real hit or miss. There have, the first winter FAQ we had was very promising we were like whoa if this is the kind of adjustments that we're going to get at the halfway mark then we're in good shape and the one mm. you know the year immediately following that we all went yeah i went that's it what <laughs> did you guys even like <laughs> hopefully it, it warrants a whole show if not you know it'll be half of it and we'll figure out what the other and the half other is. half will be figuring out dancon we could do dancon well get some listener input and then we'll <laughs> Let's see what it is. Planned live on the show. (laughs) Crazy, man. Well, listeners, thanks again. We hope you enjoyed that recall of our awesome day trip that we took down to Chicago. Brendan, thank you as always for coming back for a second round here, man. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> for to get this thing done for everybody. Oh, you felt horrible when you called. I barely remember it because I was taking a nap at the time. Oh my gosh, that was, it took me a long time to make that phone call. Anyway, but we're done. We're we done. did it. We did it, and we did it twice. <laughs> this is episode 80, eighty-six, part two for us. <laughs> yeah, the only eighty-six two. for you, the listener. <laughs> Thank you all for listening, for putting up with our foolishness. And as always, you all take care, uh, stay safe, stay healthy, and we will see you next time around. Bye! This is the end.